Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McGalliard. I have alongside with me my friend, my co-host, Parker Fleming. Parker, look, TCU's playing Tarleton this week. I'll be honest, man, I don't have a lot to say. This is going to be sloppy. Um, that's fine. I'm okay with that. I'm right with that. I'm okay with that. Um, I would ask you how you are, but we literally just spent 25 minutes off air and said, oh, maybe we should record some of this for our listeners who care about TCU football. For $50 on Parker's Ko-Fi, uh, we will talk about the Blue Collar Comedy Tour as long as you want. Um, because Wait, that's basically Ko-Fi? what we did. What's the buy me a coffee? What's it called? I thought it was coffee. I don't know what Ko-Fi Oh, is. Co- that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, coffee. <laughs> but it, it... <laughs> Tell me that was a bit. Tell me that wasn't a bit. No, it wasn't. But, but it's spelled Ko-Fi. It's Ko-Dot-Pop. All, right. All right. So as you can Why tell, can this is... <laughs> this is going to be a really interesting episode. Um, before we get to the Tarleton Texans, um, we should mention two bits of injury news. So Chandler Morris is going to miss at least this game. He's got a sprained knee. And Thomas Armstrong tore his ACL. It is out for the year. Uh, that blows. Parker, what's Both your Both of those suck immensely. Yes. Immensely. Linebacker is a uh, an area with um, uh, a lot of depth issues. Thomas Armstrong was coming along as kind of a um, – a name you heard in spring camp and in fall camp that was like, oh, maybe this dude could be a dude. Maybe this guy could be a dude. Maybe this dude could be a guy, depending on how you see it. Um, and so that's a big blow for linebacker and um, for a guy who had a really good camp. Um, the Morris injury is obviously not um, optimal, but I think given the way the injury happened and given what was going on during the game, it's good that he's going to be back eventually. Um, so yeah. I'm glad he doesn't have like a catastrophic life-altering thing. TCU is going to have to figure out how to move the ball and who plays quarterback is not necessarily the biggest problem in how they're going to have to move the ball. So we'll talk about that a little bit, but um, hope both of those guys get um, well soon. I mean, yeah, just thinks about Armstrong, man, that he's going to miss the whole year. Yeah. He, he was a prospect. I was really looking forward to watching. Um, it also sucks for Morris. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't. I might be reading too much into this and, and personalizing it. I mentioned this on the podcast before. Chandler Morris's dad, Chad Morris, was the head coach at Bay City High School uh, from two thousand Go Cats from two thousand two thousand two, and then he moved to Stephenville. Um, I think, and I cannot confirm. I literally looked it up today. Chandler might have been born in Bay City. Um, that's neither here nor there. Um, but he spent a lot of time in Stephenville. I'm sure he would have loved a revenge game. Uh, you know, just kind of a homecoming for him. Take on the Tarleton Texans, you know, see what happens. Uh, it's, it's. I'm glad he had. I'm glad he had his Oklahoma scholarship to fall back on when Tarleton snubbed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clearly this is tongue in cheek. I'm sure Chandler doesn't care. I care, and that's that's the fun part. Oh <laughs> uh, man, I wish people would let me in the media room. We'd ask questions like that of Chandler Morris. Grant, before we talk about TCU um, and Tarleton for what we're going to do, I I I have to talk about this tweet uh okay. which is like the worst way to begin a segment but um it, it regards texas and uh alabama this weekend and it's from a texas name oh i love this this tweet says but seriously comma don't rush the field longhorns ellipses ellipses double ellipses six dots in a row with a space in between wait, wait, wait. expect to win. hold on they put a space in between the dots Yes, one, two, three, space, one, two, three. As an editor, A, don't do double ellipses. B, if you're going to do it, just put six dots. And that 
Yeah. Okay, go ahead. And then and then lowercase w on the next one, but I don't want to get too editorial here. We expect to win. Just like we don't dogpile until Omaha, referring to baseball, we don't need to rush the field after a regular season win. My you brother lost. in Christ, my brother in Christ, you lost to Kansas last year. You're playing the number one team in the country. College game day is there. If, by the grace of God, you beat Alabama, every single person left in that stadium should be on the field. I specifically focused on undergrad and said you should get your ass on the field. I will also say, if you are someone who um, lets your enjoyment of a certain moment be dictated by the potential Twitter response to it, um, maybe maybe delete the app for a little bit. Maybe if you think, hey, maybe I shouldn't rush the field because Twitter's going to dunk on this, delete Twitter for a little bit. Just just take a lap, you know? I, I'm, I'm going to use the phrase, go touch grass, in two different ways. If you're worried about what Twitter says, go touch grass. And if you beat Alabama, go touch the grass at Daryl K. Royal. But yeah. do it. Take some home with you. That was um, that was just something that came across my desk today, and it's a little bit wild. Um, I do also want to point out that uh, Josh Pate, enemy of the podcast, uh, sworn enemy of the Purple Theory podcast, um, tweeted and asked one of the um, one of the silliest questions I've ever heard. He said, "How many points does Texas need to score to beat Alabama?" And I responded helpfully at least one more than Alabama scores. I hope this helps. And we ratioed Pate, so feel pretty good about that. Won't talk about it on Twitter, but we'll say on the podcast, Pate, walked, uh, Pate, Pate just set that one up, so that felt uh, that felt pretty good. Felt pretty good. What what score does Tech... Seriously, is it like 21-17? I'm not ready to go to that. I want to answer that question. Josh Pate's tweet has 667 likes. My reply has 808. We get it, man. You have a lot of Twitter followers. SCD's been shouting you out. You got a shout out on the latest shutdown full cast. We're aware. Um, we all know. I've defeated Keegan. I'm coming for Pate next. Pate has Pate has 77. Holy cow, dude. Those CBS guys have been killing it. But I, I was DMing Bud Elliott the other day, and I was like, oh, my God, you have 72,000 followers. When did that happen? Pate is now at 77. Holy cow. Eddie Radosevich, watch your ass, homie. Oklahoma Week, we're coming for you. Okay, well, Eddie was talking shit about uh, the Pythagorean expectation, unwarranted, unrelated the other day. So Eddie can come get some. That's all I have to say. Our listeners are so in for this inside baseball, college football media. Uh, Let me talking. go through my Twitter follows and tell you who I like and don't actually. Like. Grant, here's my takeaway from the Colorado game. I rewatched it um, before our, before our um, podcast on Sunday. I, I did some ruminating and thinking. And what came to my mind was the song by Roger Allen Wade. If you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough, right? And if you um, get knocked down, you got to get back up. You know, you can you can take the you can take the Chumbo Wumba route if you want, but uh, that's also a line in this song too. I just thought it was funny that it was Chumbo. Well, I'm aware uh, that Tub Thumping is its own song. I'm quoting. Don't don't put that on me. That's fine. In this joke, the only song that Grant has ever listened to is Tub Thumping by Chumbo Wumba. <laughs> it rips. 
Uh, this song says, if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. When you get knocked down, you got to get back up. I ain't the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I, uh, but I know enough to know if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. Grant, that's what I think about this game from Colorado last week. TCU was kind of dumb. The first, uh, the first, first half offense was terrible. Um, they, they just weren't really doing anything and, and had a lot of issues. And I think that in a lot of worlds, this TCU offense just folds. And they said, you know what? We're tough. We're just going to run over their ass. And so for all that says about the future potential of TCU, I, I do think that I really admired the toughness of this squad to say, all right, we're going to show a little bit in the second half that that first half was an anomaly. So I, I'm a little bit optimistic going into this Tarleton State matchup this weekend that TCU for once against an FCS opponent will have a stress-free, productive outing. TCU's had stress-free outings before. They've had productive outings before. But they've never had a stress-free productive outing against an FCS team. You think about um, 2016, the most stressful uh, FCS game of all time where South Dakota State just yes. kept yes. freaking scoring. You think about UAPB in 2019 mm-hmm. where Alex Delton started the game, where TC really failed to pull away. I think Griffin Kell kicked like 19 – Jonathan Song kicked like 19 field goals in that game. I saw the name Alex Delton like two days ago, and honestly, I forgot he was TCU's quarterback. Yeah, for, for, yeah, it was. I don't yeah. know what I don't know what sick perversion Colin Post has in texting me about Alex Delton all the time, but I feel like that's the only way that I see Alex <laughs> Delton's name. You see. Oh man. Okay, so TC's playing Tarleton this week. Grant, let's let's talk about Tarleton in just yeah. the, the broadest of terms. Let's just get an overview. Again, we want to be better consumers of college football content, and as silly as an FCS game is, we should try to do that. So uh, I have an old roommate who I won't share his name, but he is a communications person for Tarleton uh, State University uh, in Stephenville. I used to live 45 minutes away from Stephenville. Um, they have a good football program, man. They are an interesting university, uh, part of the Texas a This is edification for all the TC people that are from Colorado and California and that listen to this podcast. Um, They're part of the Texas A&M system. Really great rodeo team. I actually know a kid who rodeos for Tarleton. Um, You know, it's it's, it's a fine FCS university. I think there's 14,000 students there, so it's actually bigger than TCU. Um, There you go. Those are all of your Tarleton things. And I, I won't include all the internal politics that I was exposed to for two years living with my friend. So there you go. I'm intrigued by that. I'm intrigued by a rodeo team. We met um, a server in Cody, Wyoming, was mm-hmm. from Weatherford, and she had moved to Cody, Wyoming to go through their rodeo program up there at whatever technical college they had. Cody, Wyoming, uh, birthplace of Mike, Mike Leach, uh, allegedly. Um, that's neither here nor there. We're talking about Tarleton. In 2021, they went six and five overall, two and three in the conference. They were really good at home, five and one, but away, one and three, pretty pretty rough, and lost a neutral site game. Grant, again, just an overview: 27 points per game, 22 points allowed per game. They um, averaged 5.1 yards per rushing attempt. They allowed 4.4 yards per rushing attempt. 16 rushing touchdowns allowed, 13. Um, per game, this is probably a little bit more informative, per game, 175 rushing yards per game to 174 rushing yards per game. So a little bit balanced on the run game front there. They averaged 8.02 yards per attempt. They allowed only 5.87. That's pretty feisty on defense. Yeah. 240 yards per game through the air, allowing only 190 
20 touchdowns to opponents 15. So that's pretty good overall. I think total yards, they averaged about 415 a game. That's, that is a feisty offense. They allowed 364 per game, which is not so much of a feisty defense. So life is uh, life's full of trade-offs there. One thing I did flag grant 16 um, first downs by a penalty for the offense, but the defense gave up 27 first downs only through penalties. That that to me seems a little problematic. Seems like they're a little little um, little spooked on the defensive side of things. Um, Sixty six point nine uh, average penalty yards per game. They in their favor, or they 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 got opponents only averaged forty five. So a little bit of a penalty issue there um, for for uh, Tarleton State. Finally, the last thing I like to look at third down conversions. They were only thirty eight point six. On offense, they allowed 39.6 on defense. So um, definitely a situation where if TCU struggles on early downs, you're looking to a pretty poor defensively third down team for TCU to be able to move the ball and extend drives. How do yeah, you do that? Yeah, no, good. So, so the um, that's about as much of like an in-depth analysis you'll get on Tarleton. All of the uh, websites that Parker scrapes in his – nerd world and that all the other advanced side scrape don't exist for FCS sports at the moment. Um, I'll talk a bit about program consistency. Todd Witten um, is now in his 13th season at Tarleton. He's basically a program legend. Um, it's, I'm not going to say he's their Gary. I'm not going to go that far or anything, but if you look at Tarleton's media guide, which by the way, it's maybe the least helpful media guide in all of college football. The first 30 pages are like pictures and history of the program. No one cares about that. Tell me what the stats are, etc., etc. Um, but with Witten at the helm, Tarleton's actually built themselves into a really good FCS program, which is why I don't like the fact that TCU scheduled them. There, it, it's really a no-win situation. Um, if if you beat Tarleton, congrats, you beat an FCS school. Who cares? If you lose to Tarleton, holy hell, you lost to an FCS school in your state an hour 15 west of your campus, and also they're building a campus in Fort Worth, and they share your same colors. Um, it's not as bad as UNC scheduling Appalachian State, for example, but this this, this is a good FCS program. Like, they, they are well-respected, yada, yada, yada. Um, they're trying to go D1 in basketball, um, which is, like I, th- I think, coming up soon. So it, it, it's a school that has a lot of ambition, and they will be geared up for this game. Now, spoiler alert, they're going to lose. But Tarleton is not a program that you should take lightly. It's not like Southeastern Louisiana where it was a guaranteed win or UAPB, etc., etc. This is a solid program. They did just join the WAC, I believe, in regards yes. to their, their football. Yep. There, was some, there was some politicking there, which is, I'm sure, what you referenced earlier of, holy cow, they kind of pulled this off. It's pretty impressive they went into the WAC especially for their basketball programs, which we know it's much easier for a smaller school to field a basketball team than it is a football team yeah. just by sheer um, numbers there. Yeah, Grant, I'm going to get on my, my – am I allowed to get on my, my annual soapbox that TCU used to rotate through the SWAC? Mm-hmm. And I liked that, and I wish they would keep doing that. And I don't know that there's a lot of value – it's a Texas school, so I can't super complain. I like them playing in Texas, but I really did like TCU kind of rotating through Southern and UAPB and and those schools for a little bit. That that just feels a little bit more fun. Um, we know this is in many ways a glorified exhibition, and so um, 
I, I, I'm okay with TCU using that money that they're going to pay for this game regardless a little bit more strategically. They played Portland State in like 2010. Why? Why did they fly Portland State down here? That just seems absolutely insane to me. Um, so I, I, I do I do like that it's a Texas team, but I, I, I do wish it'd be a little more strategic. On the flip side, if Tarleton is competent, this is going to put a little pressure on TCU, and I think that's good. TCU has this game, a bye week, and then SMU, which is – I hate this program is here, Grant, but I think SMU is the most important game this season. It's the most important game just in terms of vibes, not necessarily results, but in terms of like, okay, like where are we as a program? Is Sunny Dykes going to come over here and just lose again? Um, or are we going to beat the hell out of a team? I, Parker, when's the last time – and maybe it's been more recent than I can remember – When's the last time TCU just beat the absolute hell out of a team? I didn't get to watch the Duquesne game last year, and that wasn't as high-scoring as I wanted it to be. I, they I don't know. clock in that game. Yeah. What about, um, what was that Kansas game in like 2017? 18? Yeah, 17. that Yeah. 18, I think they lost. 17 was where it was at home, and Kansas had negative yards going into the fourth right. quarter. Yes. I think yeah, that's that the last it. time... Honestly, that TCU has whooped somebody's ass. Right. This is a good opportunity to whip some ass. Um, Would be nice, especially because I think this is a great segue into our kind of segment here, the only segment we have planned, which is um, I, I really would love for the offense to get a lot of reps and kind of gel, especially because you have an injury at quarterback and now you're going to have to do something different. So, Grant, let's talk about our wish list for an FCS game. Right, uh, this is kind of impromptu. We, you know, not 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 anything too serious, but just saying, hey, when your Power Five program, who should be really good, has a game like this, what are you hoping to see? Um, my my first line on this is always the same, and so I'm just going to say it. I'm going to get out of the way. I want no defensive, no special team scores. Right. I want you to fair catch every kick. I want you to fair catch every punt. I want you to kneel the ball if you get an interception or if you get a fumble return on defense, you do not need defensive points in this game. The offensive reps are so much more important. Get your offense in a negative situation. Have them work on developing their um, their, their game and, and figuring out establishing what do we want to do and how can we impose our will on somebody. So that's my first wish is no defensive, no special team scores. I know they're fun. I understand that. Don't do it. I disagree. I think that this is a perfect opportunity to build confidence, uh, to build confidence in a defense, and to kind of get like, if THT scores a touchdown, hell yeah! If Mark Perry in his second game in a TCU uniform scores a touchdown, like we joke like, hey, momentum doesn't matter, whatever mentality does, and I think that sort of aggression helps. Uh, not that special teams needs it because Darius Davis scored last year or last week, excuse me. My number one metric, I want no sacks. I don't want Max okay. Duggan, Sam Jackson, who's ever behind center. I, I don't want anyone to get sacked. You are facing an FCS defensive line. You supposedly have really good players, at least a decent transfer, whatever, on your line. They should not be touched the whole game. That should be an easy, easy really accomplishment. I really thought you were going to hit me with counterpoint. It would be sick to have a special teams touchdown. Oh, or a defensive well, touchdown. yes. Also, that, I thought that was unsaid, but yes. I want to establish, I'm, I'm on team cool as hell. Like, yes, if something's cool, that's great. Let's do it. But generally, I do think that um, TCU's, um, I understand the confidence aspect, and I don't want to undermine 
Darius Davis running that pump back was absolutely the spark TCU needed to be like, hey, we're yeah. better than these guys. What the heck's going on, man? That's totally fair. TCU should not be anywhere close to a negative game, strip, game script. I'll compromise. None of that in the first half. Okay, that's fine. Do do crazy things second half. Second half, be like, hey, hey, defensive starters, you guys have two drives. Go do something crazy, right? That's fine. Let them get that. But also say, look, I want our offense to drive 75 yards multiple times. I want us to establish certain plays and certain routines with our offense. I want to instill quarterback uh, confidence in our quarterback. That's the biggest thing. So um, I agree. No pressures is really, really good. I'll, I'll kind of hijack that and, and add you one. No turnovers. Okay. I think okay. that fumbles are a little random. I'm not worried about it. Interceptions specifically. I want Max Duggan to throw a couple almost interceptions, but I do not want there to be actual turnovers. I want him to be pressed enough in the passing game where he's trying to put the ball in places he might not normally feel like he's able to do um, and, and have the touch for. I want him challenged in that way, but no turnovers. That, that to me, I want a crisp, clean game where TCU says we're going to line up, we're going to run this really, really well, we're going to impose our will, and we're going to not deal with any speed blocks. Speed so bumps, on, roadblocks. Pick your those two of those together. Who could say? Um, I'll piggyback off that. You mentioned TCU running clean. I don't want any gimmicks until the second half. No trick Maybe plays. Maybe not any in the gimmicks at all. No, no trick plays at all. I want you to go out there and run your offense. That doesn't mean the Duggan off. Go ahead. This is unpopular. I don't want to see Sam Jackson until the second half. Correct. I want to I, see I, him. Yeah. But I don't want to see him until the second half. Correct. I don't want this to sound like I'm reading really nodding the Chandler Max thing. I want you to run what Dykes and Riley want to run with Max Duggan at, at quarterback. Like, yes. I, I, I don't want to see. I don't want to see like the spread option, the complete run game that we did in the second half against Colorado just to win the game. Again, we know why we did that. That's fine. I don't want that in the first half here. I want to see. Hey, you know what? We're going to run our daggum offense. I in an ideal world. What does our offense look like? Great, let's run it. And it's Duggan at quarterback. It's not Morris. That's fine. I want to see it in the first half. Burn, burn the boats. You can't go yes. back. This is what you have. What are we? What are we going to do with it? Yes, absolutely agree. Um, okay, that's what five. Um, what else do I have? Okay, so I had I had no um, no special no teams or defensive. No turnovers. No sacks. No, was a good one that was on my list. Yeah, so, so we only have four. So. Um, We'll each do one more. I'm going to be really ambitious. Okay. No negative plays. Oh, okay. That kind of goes into no sacks, but that's also no weird reverse that gets, you know, behind the line. That's no, a running back turns around and tries to bust it out. I, I think zero or greater on every single play um, should be a minimum expectation for this game. In the first half. Again, yeah. starters are going to come out, yeah. whatever, but first half. Yeah. Well, okay. I like that. And I'll end it with the second half goal. I want Imani, uh, Imani Bailey to get eight carries. Yes. Oh, I love that. I wish I thought of that one. Son of a so, gun. So at, at, want... this point, at this point, TCU's up by 35. You know, we're not trying real weird stuff. You know, we're just, we're just around the clock. But Imani Bailey's in the game. He's getting eight carries. Yep. I want to say, look, man, are you are you a guy or are you not a guy? Let's yeah. see. Yeah. Can you beat up an FCS totally opponent? Yeah, I'm in. I totally agree. That's what we'll be watching for this weekend. Um, I think it's 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 okay to have an FCS game. It's okay to have a buy here, effectively a, a scrimmage. Come out, 
and don't treat it like a scrimmage on game one. Treat it like you're going to murder somebody on the first couple of drives, and then we can get some other guys in there. We can make sure the linebacking core stays healthy. Um, yeah. Yeah, I have a couple more notes on Tarleton, and then we, we'll get to the fun bits about Tarleton and Stevenville. Um, because of the lack of stats and the lack of advanced, let's call it, well, let's just call it what it is, because of the lack of PFF data on Tarleton, I really only have a couple of offensive notes. Um, Tarleton lost their top three running backs from last year, and I think their top two or three wide receivers as well. Um, Darrell Carey, the second, I think, comes back. Uh, D'Angelo Rosemont led him in carries last week. Jaden Smith, at wide receiver, had three touchdowns by himself in week one. Uh, and Gabe Douglas is back at wide receiver as well. Parker, the most interesting name, and I'm sure the name that a lot of uh, our listeners will want to know, is Bo Allen, uh, who starts a quarterback for Tarleton. He transferred in from Kentucky. He spent the last two seasons at Kentucky. Um, was a four-star recruit, uh, 6'2", 2'15". Uh, watched a little bit of his tape. He, he's got an arm. He's a big guy. Uh, I, I'm not saying that he's going to light TCU up, but he is. Um, you know, he, he has the potential to be a, a really good FCS quarterback, and he's he's the guy that's going to be taking snaps for Charles. And he transferred in and immediately earned a starting job. So, if you want names to know, uh, I would say Bo Allen. Uh, I would say Jaden Smith, and I would uh, say D'Angelo Rosemont are the guys on offense that you're you're going to be interested in. Yeah, that makes sense and good. As as we're just watching, kind of figuring out what we're looking at, I think that's um, I think that's great. Um, let's do okay. I'm looking at our time here. We're going to be a little short tonight. I'm okay with yeah. that. It's a it's an FCS week. Let's let's do a score prediction. What do you what do you hope TCU gets to? What do you hope they um, they give up this weekend? Okay, I'm gonna uh, yeah. We're not doing best case worst case. It's an FCS team. We're just doing score prediction. I'm doing. Let's call it 48-10. I think it would be the 48-10, maybe a garbage time touchdown. In yeah, there. maybe call maybe 40, a big play. Sure, yeah. Maybe the Kentucky transfer runs for a touchdown there. At the oh, end, no, he's not running anywhere. I, I can guarantee you that. Um, but, but he's throwing. <laughs> Parker, what about you? Uh, so they, they scored 27 last season, and they gave up 21. I legitimately want TCU to hit 50 here. I want to say I want them to triple it, but what a better way. Again, uh, Jeremy Clark had this great quote and I want to give him absolute props here uh, where he said, it seems like Sonny Dykes read a book about what Gary Patterson did that fans didn't like. And he's doing, and, and Sonny Dykes is doing the opposite scoring 60 dropping 50 plus on a, on an FCS school is something that, that Gary Patterson really didn't love to do. Didn't love to run it up. Felt like he was embarrassing the other guys. Um, hopefully Dyke says, you know what, we're just going to run our offense for this number of drives and how many points we get, we get. So I'd love to see TCU push 50 on the offensive side alone. That's probably going to include defensive and special teams score. Like there's going to be some of those on top of it. I, I legitimately want TCU to score on seven, eight drives. Um, offensively. So that's my expectation. Single digits giving up. I really am agnostic about, I won't think more of more or less of the defense if they get burned early on a, on a high play when they're, you know, they're, they're young and there's a lot of, there's a lot of change there. So give me TCU North of 50. Give me, give me Tarleton North, uh, South of 10. Listen, Parker, we can all dream. 52 to eight. I'll say it. <laughs> How do they get eight? Yeah. Okay. Um, Parker, I have a list of Tarleton State alumni. 
There, oh there's some God. names here that you like. Don't look. I, I want to surprise you here. I haven't looked. No, I looked at the football ones, and I was like, oh, I don't know any of these guys. Parker, Ryan Bingham. No. Yes, sir. Did he graduate or just go? It doesn't list. I think he graduated. I think he was on the road. I, I think he was on the rodeo team. Um, went to Charleston that is State. awesome. One of the Honestly, great. He's a little guy. He looks wiry and strong. If he could stay, he'd probably stay on a ball for a little bit. Yeah, at least eight seconds. Um, love Ryan Bingham. Chris Kyle, who was uh, uh, American sniper. Uh, that that was based on. I have, I have a story about that movie, but I'm not going to tell it on there. We'll talk. About yeah, it. that's that sounds like you shouldn't. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you live in Texas, Sid Miller is a graduate, and I'm just going to leave that there. Um, Michael J. Moncrief, former mayor of Fort Worth. I, the Moncrief family is like huge in Texas. There's a building at TCU named after them, uh, so he's in there. Uh, How Mummy. They're the, they're the they're the cowboy mafia. They are. They are. How uh, Mummy, inventor of the air raid, Tarleton State grad. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? I knew. If I knew, we would have done a very big segment on that. Wow, okay. Yeah, that's great. Shout uh, out to Hal Mummy. I'll, I'll give three more. Uh, James Earl Rudder, who was a, a general in the World War II uh, and is like the namesake of basically everything at Texas A&M University. There's Rudder Park. Uh, there's a bunch of buildings there. Um, Marvin, have you ever seen the film or play The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas? Yes, I think like my sister in law performed it in college. Okay, and so I'm very vague on it, but I think I've seen it. I'm, I'm not a man saw, of the theater, Grant. No, I, I probably know saw it. Jarring to hear. This is probably too much inside baseball. I saw the best little whorehouse in Texas at PCU. So if she was there, that's I probably saw her do it. She uh, was there. I think she Mar- played the Madame. Okay, Marvin Zindler, who the reporter in that story is based on, is a Tarleton grad, and finally. Co Wetzel. It's a Charlton grad. I Can I hate tell you something? Co Wetzel. Okay. I hate Co Wetzel. I agree. Austin is an amazing song. It's a good song. It's a good song. No, it is amazing. I Grant. hate Co Wetzel. I would read the entire lyrics to the song. We're I'm not, not going to do, do it. Grant, I heard he's a banker down in Austin. I, I thought you always hated it there. Come on, dude. He's a douche. That's fine. Uh, man, I I hate sucks. that I like it. That song is awesome. He didn't write it. That's fine. I'm okay with it. That's fine. Um, do we want to do... Okay, well, let's get into Stephenville for two minutes. And we have some responses, too. I know you asked, like, what's the best place to eat in Stephenville? Um, but I do have one thing to say about Stephenville. They're the host of Larry Joe Taylor Fest, um, which is a big country music festival. I've heard it compared to Chili Fest at A&M. Brother, I've been to Chili Fest five times. It ain't nothing compared to Chili Fest. This this was the lineup that played five minutes away from Tarleton Stadium in 2022. I'm going to end with the one that we have a story about. Stoney LaRue, Courtney Patton, Caitlin Butts, Bree Bagwell, Cody Canada and The Departed, Roddy oh, Foster, yeah. yeah, Chris Knight, Kevin Fowler, Casey Donahue, Roger Krieger, Josh Abbott, William Clark Green, Flatland Calvary, Pat Green, Randy Rogers Band, and Parker, your favorite, Parker McCollum. Okay, that is loaded. It's um, a great lineup. 
Holy cow, that is loaded. Randy Foster? Yeah. yeah. Um, I bet I bet Pat Green and Randy Foster sang Texas in 1880 together on stage, which I'm is pretty freaking sure cool. Um, I thought about something else in there as you're reading off, but I, it totally escaped me as we kind of went, so that's going to be okay. Cody Cannon, The Departed, uh, excellent there. Stoney LaRue, the official, the official, as much as we love James McMurtry, Stoney LaRue is the official country music uh, artist of the Pearl Theory podcast because there is not a Friday night that goes by where I'm not having a cold beer or Grant's not having a cold beer that we don't text the other person. Well, it's Friday, well, Friday. referencing Oklahoma Breakdown by Stoney LaRue. Um, okay, I have a Parker McCollum Josh Abbott story that's crazy. Uh, and crazy in how dumb I am. One, Parker McCollum, when I first saw him years and years ago, was like a skinny kid from California. He was the limestone kid. He was he was the limestone kid. And he was wearing his Ray-Bans. He kind of had a swagger. That's fine. But like very nervous on stage, whatever. So COVID happens. One of the things my wife and I love to do is go to concerts. COVID happens. We don't get to go to any concerts. We're living at this time in Asheville, North Carolina. And concerts start happening. And we're like, dude, we're going to anybody we know. It's been too long. So we buy tickets to Parker McCollum. Not having heard anything about him, since like 2017. What Parker McCollum did during the pandemic is got jacked. Yeah. Specifically in his biceps. Specifically, he just did curls that entire time. And who I thought was the limestone kid came out on stage as the gold chain cowboy. I think that's right. Am I doing that wrong? <laughs> it sounds right. Um, and it was uh he played a bunch of songs I hadn't heard. He played "Meet You in the Middle," which is one of my favorite songs, um, and one of you know one of one of one of my favorite songs of of country music, and one by him. And he played it, Grant, in like two and a half time. So he was like, "I hate that I have to play this. I'm just gonna get through it." And they just sped through it, and it was the craziest thing. So that in itself, speaking of, we were talking about Co Wetzel and people being douchebags in country music. Uh, Parker McCollum has gone to the dark side. Which live your life, man. That's fine. What, what really got me is the opener for Parker McCollum at the Orange Peel in Asheville, North Carolina. So at this point, I, I think I'm also going to a concert. I think it was the church's concert that I went to in Houston. And I'm getting texts from Parker like, yo, I'm at a Parker McCollum concert. I'm like, oh, great. He's like, yeah, the opener's out here. It's like nine dudes, and they're all playing Josh Abbott covers. There was wow, like a series really of revelation for me where I was like, man— there, this is like this cover band that's opening for him is pretty great. Um, they they sound okay, like you know, dude sitting up there. They play they sound Josh just Abbott like song. I love Josh Abbott. They, they play sound just Josh like Josh Abbott song. They sound just <laughs> like Josh Abbott. <laughs> they sound just like Josh Abbott. Wait, it's weird that they have nine guys for a cover band. They're playing a third Josh Abbott song, <laughs> and we had walked in a little bit late. And then before the last song, I think they played She's Like Texas Last or something. And the dude sitting up there, I've been to a Josh Abbott concert before. I wouldn't recognize it on the street. I don't know who he is. But he sits up there and he's like, and so I'm texting Grant be like, man, this band kills. Like, this is amazing. Yeah. I can't believe they're doing this here. This is very fun. And he sits up there on the stage and he's like, well, you know, we, we never opened for people. We hadn't opened for people in probably 20 years. And we're just having such a good time. We were close to the area and our friend Parker texted us and we're just happy to be out here. And Anyway, I'm Josh Abbott. Here's our last song. Have a good night. <laughs> and I've lost my mind. <laughs> it, it made my man, entire night. Just be like, man, who is looks, this guy? 
if it looks like a Josh Abbott and it cracks like a Josh Abbott, it just might be a Josh Abbott. Probably um, Josh Abbott. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, very, I, very I, funny there. I don't know how we transition from this, but let's go to. Um, we should talk about football. Yeah, let's do it. Well, just no, I mean, we, yeah. we talked about football. That's fine. But uh, quick recommendations from our uh, our listeners on what to do in Stephenville. I think it's oh, fine. Yeah. Uh, or just the best place to eat, really. Um, well, one guy says, I don't know enough about Stephenville other than, other than that the purple poo is a thing. Are you familiar with the purple poo? I have no further questions. I don't know what that is. Okay, the, the purple poo is like this group of students that dress up in wild-ass costumes and do parades and stuff. Ass costumes. They're weird. Thank you. Um, what else is here? Uh, oh, so this is the other answer that matters. Clint Foster, I don't have any funny stories, but I used to go to Stephenville all the time covering Mineral Wells Athletics. Shout out Mineral Smells. And Hard Eight is one of the best barbecue places in the world. And Team Radar Love, another friend of the program, the best part about going to Hard Eight is spending the rest of the day smelling like Hard Eight. It is a really good barbecue place. I've eaten there before. It's fantastic. I haven't. I haven't even heard of it. I'm very naive in that realm. But uh, you, you smell like a place after you leave it is either a really bad thing or a really, really good thing. In the it's case a of a barbecue restaurant, it's probably a good thing. So um, I, I'm inclined to believe that. Um, yeah. It, it's a great barbecue place. They have a couple. They have like a really good sandwich shop. Other than that, take or leave Stephenville. Their, their high school has some of the worst infrastructure I've ever seen, but um, <laughs> none, none of that is relevant to our listeners. Parker, can I, let's, can I also point out that yeah. um, that Martin uh, at BABIP God said the best place to eat in Stephenville is the Allsops by the gas station. <laughs> I did see that. Okay. Uh, I will shout out. I met, I met Martin in Boulder. He was, he was there and we were talking and he was like, Hey, I'm Martin. And I was like, I ran into Ray Cartwright and I tried to run away from Ray Cartwright immediately, but mm-hmm. he followed me. So I was talking to him for a little bit and this guy was like, Oh yeah, Martin, nice to meet you. And then we started putting it together and I was like, Oh, that's Martin. Martin. Like I, I, I've talked to him on Twitter. Yeah. That's cool. So I met Martin in, in, in Boulder as well. I will say I, I have been to two places. One of them is Bay city where one of the top three restaurants in the town is a gas station. Um, the crispy crunchy chicken in Bay City is the best chicken, and there's a Stripes that sells gas station tacos in Refugio, uh that are the best breakfast tacos I've ever had. So I, I grew up in Memphis, which is basically North Mississippi, and so gas station as a restaurant it doesn't phase me at all. I believe no, it. it's, yeah. it's part of the culture. Parker, do, do you want to uh, do you want to pick some games? Yeah, let's pick let's pick some games. What do we got? Pulling right. up the uh, the official sports book of the uh, uh, the Purple Theory podcast, BetUS, looking at their lines. Yeah, um, so, bet responsibly. I think I'm legally obligated to say bet, bet responsibly if I if I say something about this. But yeah. All right, so we're gonna mix and match uh, Big Twelve and National. We'll hit every Big Twelve game and do some Nationals along the way, um, just because I'm doing this in order of uh, kickoff time. So let's start with the Big Twelve game. Let's start with Kansas State hosting Missouri at noon. Kansas State is a seven and a half point favorite. Uh, I'm riding with Kansas State. I'm 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 in on the Wildcats here. They're gonna whoop ass. Missouri's bad. Yeah, Missouri's in a bad way. Yep, they're gonna yeah. whoop ass. Uh, Arkansas is an eight and a half point favorite uh, hosting South Carolina. I'm I'm in on that as well. No, no, I'm not touching this at all, dude. That Cincinnati game. Cincinnati was three of ten on balls twenty plus yards downfield. Grant, all ten of those were open. Arkansas secondary is very scary to me right now. Very scary. Yeah, but counterpoint, South Carolina can't... Well, they have Spencer Sanders there now. 
No, no, they have Spencer Rattler. Rattler. I think I, they wish it. Come on, I, I'm not the only man to screw that up. Not Rattler looked I, a little. Yeah, Rattler yeah. looked a little erratic last week, but his first game jitters, and they'll figure it out. I, I think that this is a trap to bet Arkansas minus eight here. That's not gambling advice. That's an opinion. Uh, maybe game of the week, just in terms of pure shot and Freude. Uh, Alabama, 20.5-point favorite at Texas. I, I don't bet on any lines that are 20 and over. Uh, Alabama's going to roll. I would take Bama up to 21.5. Yeah. No, that's I think that's if you fair. bet this in the preseason, if you bet this in the offseason, which you really should, like the first three weeks, you really should get these games in like March. Yeah. Um, I think you got this at like Alabama minus 16 or something, mm-hmm. which friggin' rules. Yeah. But uh, I, I take this up 21 and a half. This isn't betting advice. This is just, you know. Yeah, no, no. All this is our own opinions. Um, a, a ranked matchup, Tennessee at Pitt. Tennessee is a six and a half point favorite over the Panthers. Road favorite over the Panthers. I wonder about the, uh, the, look, the, the, the letdown situation. You put any stock in that? I do and I don't, but I I don't think Pitt is six and a half points worse than Tennessee. Tennessee's defense is not that good. Yeah, their their no. offense is very fun, but their defense not that good. Also, I don't think West Virginia is good, so I'm riding with Pitt here. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna diverge from you. We're not keeping track of this. I don't think. No, I'm gonna go Tennessee. no, we're not. Okay, fair enough. I like Tennessee. Alrighty. Oh, uh, great game here. <laughs> Two great games back to back. Houston is a three-point dog at Texas Tech. If you're not betting on Houston, I don't know what your problem is. Give me, give me Houston and the money. Uh, Houston and the three points, and Houston yes. in the money line. Yeah, that that seems like a really easy bet there. Although I will also, say, Joey McGuire is going to luck into starting the right quarterback. Luck in is a really bad way to phrase what happened to Tyler sure, Shuck. Tyler Shuck is hurt. Donovan Smith starting makes Texas yes. Tech so much more fun. Yes. Yeah. Also, maybe the easiest over under of all time: sixty-three. Uh, get the over. Smash just do it. Just yep. get smash it. Uh, L. Asico. at 64, dude. Freaking do it. Yeah. El Asico. Iowa State at Iowa. Iowa, a three and a half point favorite. Buddy, I- I'm taking Iowa State. Okay. Did you see this quote today? Yes, Holy I did. Cow. If you can find it, please read it because it is. I'm going to read this on air. Oh, oh, oh. The guy deleted the tweet about about oh no the guy who tweeted about Texas Tech or Texas not rushing the field deleted it. Yeah, coward. That's perfect. Bullying works. Okay, wait. I'm going to read you this. Um, so this I, is, uh, this I, I, I'm going to give a bit of background here. Kirk Ferentz is Iowa's head coach. Iowa's offensive coordinator is Brian Ferentz. Now you may notice a similarity there, and that's because Brian is Kirk's son. So, with all of that in mind, that is why Brian Ferentz has a job. Parker, what did Brian Ferentz say today about Iowa's win last week in which they scored seven points on a field goal and two safeties? Which is beautiful. Um, he said, after watching the tape, dot, 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 again reported to me, we had ample opportunity in the pocket to deliver the ball and do what we needed to do as far as making the read and getting the ball out to the correct guy on time. I don't know that I've seen a, a coach throw a quarterback under the bus so explicitly. We joke about Gary doing the gladiator stab like on the way into the Coliseum. Yeah. That is a full-on like mace to the face, I suppose. That is an unbelievable quote from a like high-level college OC. Yeah, that is um, uh, that that tells me that there's some desperation in the air about Kirk Friends' time in mm-hmm. Iowa. 
No, which is an awesome situation to I Gary Patterson at TCU. I disagree. I think there's desperation in the air about Brian Ferentz's time. At well, yeah. Hey, just fire your son and you can keep coaching here. It'll be chill. That's it's a hard sell. Uh, honestly, but that's what it is. Um, Kentucky is a six-point dog at Florida. I like Kentucky to cover, but I don't think they win. I'm worried Kentucky doesn't have Chris Rodriguez, and I'm worried that Will Levis, without that kind of like fire and ice balance, yin and yang of, of Wandale and Chris Rodriguez, can't really create the offense that they want to do. Um, I'm buying Florida. I think that Anthony Richardson was the better quarterback last year, and Florida's run defense was their biggest problem last year, and they quit a lot, so they're not going to quit as much. Fair enough. We go to another Big 12 game. The Oklahoma Sooners host the Kent State Golden Flashes. Oklahoma is a 33.5-point favorite. I have no idea how to bet this game, but I will bet the under because it's 72 and a half. Yeah, Kent State is very fun. Andrew Satter is a great offensive coordinator, um, and, 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 and Sean Lewis is a really good coach. Um, I will say, man, they have a really rough schedule here. They just sold their team out for bye games. They played at, uh, at Washington, at Oklahoma, host LIU, and then play at Georgia before starting MAC uh, games. Man, that just sucks. That sucks. Sucks big time. Um, I'm making sure I didn't miss any Big 12 games, and I don't think I did. So we are going to go down to Oklahoma State, who are 11-point favorites against the Arizona State Sun Devils. I I will say, I picture Oklahoma State as a fun campus. I think they have a a great time there in Stillwater. And Arizona State is obviously Arizona State. This is going to be a culture meld that should really rock some worlds. Yeah. Yeah, kind of, honestly, kind of like a singularity. I feel like the Oklahoma yeah. State people are equally as reckless as the Arizona State people, but maybe with a little more uh, social grace, a little bit more concern for what people in the room are thinking about them. They're reckless with boots on. Yeah, yeah. And you can't, you, and you can't, like, yeah, you can't run fast with boots. You know Oklahoma I mean? State has that southern, that southern, you, know, you can call it southwestern, whatever. That 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 rural charm of like. Oh, if I'm doing something blatantly bad, someone else is going to judge me for it. Arizona State doesn't care about that at all. So they're doing the same things. Oklahoma State's just trying to disguise a little more. So, yeah, I get that. Um, I think Oklahoma State should win. I like Emory Jones for Arizona State. Sorry, I think Oklahoma State should cover. I like uh, Emory Jones for Arizona State, but they they did lose Rashad White at the running back. He carried them a lot last year. And um, I think things are only going to get worse for uh, Arizona State until they change uh, administration. I agree. I'm taking Oklahoma State as well. Uh, we have one more Big 12 game to get to, but Parker, I'm only singling out this game because I think it's the biggest spread I can remember. Michigan is a 51. Is this Michigan and Hawaii? Yeah. Yes, it's a 51 and a half point favorite against Hawaii. Someone asked us on the BetUS show today, and I just said, "Are you going to make money on that? Like, do you think that that's the way that you make money?" So hold on, let me do the math here. The over under is 67. So the, so a 51 and a half point, if they cover, that's 52. 67 minus 52 is 15. Wait, am I doing that? How does that even work? Okay, so what you do is you divide 52 and a half, right? And so you got 67 minus 26, which is 29. Yeah. And so then you, you divide double. 67 and a half, and then you double 29. So that's like... Michigan, I mean, it's Michigan, it's Michigan 60, uh, Hawaii 7. Yes, but yeah. Hawaii's not going to score. Yeah, I mean, I actually had to game. amend this one in my numbers. This this one broke my system because Hawaii had negative points. 
Well, if you're a sicko, watch that game. The last Big 12 game is, is the best Big 12 game uh, because Alabama's going to beat the hell out of Texas. Baylor is at BYU, and BYU is a three-point favorite. I This is spicy. It's, it's a really good game. My instincts tell me Baylor to cover, but I, I, I don't feel great about it. I honestly wish Baylor was a favorite so that we could have bet, yeah, bet BYU. BYU. Yeah. Um, but I know that's fair. If ifs and ifs and buts were candies and nuts, and every day would be Eric Donka fest. Um, this this one's interesting to me. As a Dwight Schrute quote, Grant leaned back, uh, pondering <laughs> what was happening there. Um, uh, I think BYU's defense has gotten a lot better. I the the reason that I'm not I didn't make this an official play for my Bet US show. Uh, I, I elaborate more on there. BYU gave up a kick return for a touchdown, and then another kick return that led to like a 43 yard touchdown. And that's where Baylor makes hay, dude. Baylor's like, hey, we're gonna we're bad, but we're gonna be able to do this. So I'm a little bit worried about that. But I think last year BYU was very much in the game, despite what the score or final score might have said. And I think that Baylor took a huge step back on offense, even though people want to post the Blake Shapen 40-something yard touchdown against an FCS team. They're really gonna miss Abram Smith. He had 168 yards in this game last year, dude. 168 yards. Um, and that is not all scheme. So I think Baylor's taking a step back on offense. BYU's taking a step forward on defense. Um, I, I think BYU should win this. Covering with the – I have this as a hook, three and a half. That makes me a little nervous getting that um, – because you don't get the push if it's a field goal. So, uh, But I think I think BYU should, should win and should flirt with covering. Can I, before we roll out, bring back a core memory, which is just Taysom Hill and BYU beating the living shit out of Texas? In that game, uh, what, it was twenty thirteen, I think, maybe twenty fourteen. I, I, it's one of the greatest joys I've ever had watching a college football game. Taysom Hill, man, uh, what a guy! <laughs> a what a whole thing! Just, just what a whole thing! Are there any more games we need to get to, Parker? Before we we, we close out here, um. No, I think there's some I have my eye on, but they're all strange and weird. And give me one. Give me um, one. What do you like? Okay, so what, do, what do you think about USC at Stanford? Uh, I have Stanford I plus nine. nine. Stanford plus nine. Stanford uh, plus nine. USC. See, I'm inclined to I'm inclined to think Stanford. Really? USC had 28 points from defense last week. Three pick sixes. And then a 34-yard okay, well touchdown. Oh, okay, look, I, I understand. Rice, Rice against USC last week, 75-yard touchdown, interception, and then right after that interception, lined up and marched 75 yards again right, and scored right. a touchdown. All right, look, look, I, I understand that defensive touchdowns are random and that succeeding on defensive touchdowns is not a, like a viable strategy. But when you're playing Rice, you're just going to score defensive touchdowns because Rice sucks. So, like... But Who they knows had other they... drives where they failed. They had other drives where they failed. Also, Rice lined up and moved the ball in the first half, dude. Two drives, 70-plus okay. yards. All right. Well, I'm still taking USC. Parker, this has been the Pro Theory Podcast. My name is Grant <laughs> McGallier. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, at Grant McGallier. It's spelled like it sounds with all those vowels. He's Parker Fleming. You can find him on Twitter, at StatsWar. And on the BetUS show, which I think recorded uh, today as we record Wednesday, correct? Yes. Should be live on YouTube. Also need to plug the Powered by the Hammer 
which is a new betting network with some crazy names. Grant, I'm honestly surprised that like some of the people they have on board, they asked me to be a part of it. Uh, I'm doing basically my advanced stats explainer videos that I did last year where it was just me in front of the thing. And I'm just pulling up the graphic and talking about a matchup. You can check those out. I'll tweet those out. You can follow them at Parker's Previews. Grant, can I tell you that we got our logo issue sorted out. Someone over there had made a logo. And because we're at the end of the podcast, I'll tell you this. And they were calling it Parker's Previews. And the um, color scheme that they had chosen was like yellow and brown, hmm. which wasn't my favorite to start yeah. off with. But also the the logo for the Twitter profile picture they had was a magnifying glass. Like we're, in, we're investigating, right? Yeah. That's fine. I'm okay with it. But it had it was so it was magnifying glass on a yellow background, and in the middle of the magnifying glass, in brown, it had the initials PP in it. <laughs> and I said, you know what? My wife's a graphic designer. I think we could probably do a little better than this. So we've uh, we figured that issue out and made it uh, a little bit more a little bit more modern, a little bit more snazzy. But three of those videos they'll start going up. Uh, one went up today. One will go up Thursday. One will go up Friday. Just a little bit more in depth about games there. Uh, if you if you want to hear it, so make sure you do that. You can follow at Parker's Previews on Twitter as well. We're at the end of this podcast, Parker. Did you ever listen to the Jim Rome show? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. There was a smack-off one year where someone was just ripping on the University of Wyoming for some reason. And they were like, oh, what are their colors? Pea yellow and poop brown? (laughs) That's all I could picture while you were describing this. You have to send it to me out there. Um, Yeah, it was was, uh, very, yeah, I'll show it to you. It was was not great. It wasn't ideal. But we fixed it. It's fine. All is well that it's well. Listen to the hammer. Listen, TCU should beat the hell out of Tarleton State. We will come back with a recap of that game. It's on ESPN Plus, I believe. Uh, and then we will preview... Well, it's a bye week, so hopefully we have a guest lined up for next week. Um, we won't we say do. who it he is. He said yes. I'll put him on the spot. Steven Johnson is going to come tell us what his deal is and uh, talk about TCU football from an outsider's perspective. Outsider meaning that he wasn't here for the Gary Patterson years. He is here for, for now covering the team. He's great. Follow him on Twitter. We'll talk to him next week. I have so many questions for that man. Number one, how dare you take my dream job? Number two, <laughs> what's it like not being there for? <laughs> we're gonna have to have like little signs or index cards where like this question's on the record. This question's on the right. Record. Just, just, we'll just... cut it. <laughs> Parker, let's beat the hell out of Tarleton. Go frogs. Go frogs. <laughs>